Hello and welcome to episode two of the Old Hat Podcast. This is episode two and I am James Chambliss, also known as Old Hat, because I am indeed Old Hat. This is episode two. This is actually version two of episode two for the ridiculous reason that in talking about my favorite asterism in the first run, I called it the Aurora Borealis instead of Corona Borealis. And so later on, when you hear me talk about the Corona Borealis, you can just chuckle to yourself that I'm having to re-record this because I don't know how to overdub and I uh, said the wrong asterism. So maybe you don't have a favorite asterism, but I do and I got confused. So there you go. That should clear it all up. I'm having a lot of little lapses in my memory like that, saying strange things and uh, little restless, not sleeping well. Some people call it spring fever. Maybe that's what it is. I put all of my symptoms into WebMD, though, and it said I need to go camping. (laughs) I need to go sleep under the stars for a little bit. I don't know what you do to reset your internal clock. That works for me better than anything else. A few days sleeping on the ground seems to make my bed a lot more comfortable once I get back to it. I will tell you that if you go camping, one of the most important things you can do is bring the right shoes. A couple years ago, in fact, this week in 2017, I took my sons and we went to Caprock Canyons in the Panhandle of Texas. And it's a beautiful place. It's kind of wild. It is very much off the beaten track. You're not uh, you're not going to stumble across it. You're going to have to be looking for it if you want to go to Caprock. Well, in 2017, we went to Caprock, and it was just the only week we could figure out when we could all get loose and go. And so we went, and it was cold. It uh, got below freezing at night, which is not primo camping weather. But I'm pretty good at this camping gig, and so we all managed to stay uh, warm and, and healthy, and, and we had a good time. Uh, The nights were long, no question about those, definitely long nights. But the first night was pretty uneventful. The the next day, we did a lot of hiking, walking uh, North Prong, and we have this tendency to get off of the clearly marked trails, particularly in February. One of the things you worry about a lot at Caprock is uh, rattlesnakes because they have some dandy rattlesnakes out there. And they had told us when we checked in that it had not really been cold enough, long enough for the snakes to have really gone into hibernation. So watch where you step because they're out there. We had a couple of dogs with us and dogs are pretty good about warning about things like this. We weren't particularly worried about it. The next night we were there, it was after dark. And so I'll back up and tell you that we, we because it was cold, we stayed at the campsites near camp, uh, near Lake Theo, which there's just a lot of wind breaks there. And really in the canyon, areas there's not a lot of wind breaks and we were really not wanting to add the west texas wind to the below freezing temperatures at night so we kind of stayed an area that that has a lot of tree cover and a little bit of hill in front of you so that helps us a lot so the the problem with staying at lake theo is you have to you have to hike in carrying all your stuff it's not too far 150 yards i think is about how far we were maybe a little more than that and we carried all our stuff in and set up our camp and and had a good time well the the, the second night we were there after dark i'm i'm up by the truck in this little bitty car pulls up two girls in it and they say is this the lake theo campsite i'm like yeah it's down this trail right here and they're like okay great thanks and, you know, in town, you always ask somebody, can I help you carry that? Do you need any help with anything? When you're camping, you really kind of assume people know what they're doing, right? They may even know more than you do, so you don't dare want to offer help. If they need help, they'll ask. That's the beauty of camping. If you do need something, it's easy to go to somebody and say, hey, man, help me out here. And that's what happened. Uh, the, the next morning, the two girls came to the edge of our camp and said, hello, 
like you do, you don't just walk into other people's camp. They come to the edge and said, hello. And I walked over and we're talking. And one of them said, look, we need to go to Walmart. Can you tell us where the nearest Walmart is? And I'm like, yeah, it's in Childress. And they're like, where's that? It's about an hour from here, maybe a little more. And they were like, oh my gosh. Because they only had the weekend, right? They didn't have a lot of time to spend there. One of them had worn sandals and didn't bring anything else. No hiking boots, no tennis shoes, just a a packing error on her part. Just didn't didn't bring any. So I said, wow, that's terrible. Um, what size shoe do you wear? And like most of you people, she wore smaller shoes than anybody in, uh, you know, in my campsite wears. And so I'm like, wow, okay, well, Walmart's about an hour. And so they went away and they came back a little bit later and, and said hello. And I walked over and they said, do you, you think maybe we could borrow a pair of shoes from one of your sons? I'm like, okay, the smallest shoes my sons wear is like 12 and they go up from there. I've, you know, I have the smallest feet. I will loan you a pair of tennis shoes. I always bring a pair of tennis shoes, but y'all, I don't ever wear tennis shoes. Almost ever. I wear boots so and hiking boots, cowboy boots and hiking boots. But I own tennis shoes. They're old, but I own them. So I went and got my tennis shoes and I brought them to her. I went, look, this will get you through the day, right? I mean, you tuck some socks in the end or some newspaper or something. You'll be fine. Well, she ended up hiking all over Caprock in my borrowed tennis shoes. I have very well-traveled tennis shoes. And, of course, the boys and I laughed about it a lot. And when we got home and told my lovely bride this story, she looked at me and she said, So, what color was her hair? And, of course, she was a redhead. It always seems to be that way. If I have one of these stories, there's a redhead in it. So, I'm telling you, especially if you're redheads, please bring the right shoes when you go camping. And who knows? Maybe we'll end up at Caprock together someday. That'd be a hoot. If we do, then you'll get to play with one of the coolest things I own. It's called a Sky Scout. Don't look it up because it'll depress you. They're incredibly expensive. Uh, I was shocked. I got one for Christmas from my father-in-law who, man, one of his godly attributes is he gives good gifts. And he gave me this Sky Scout. And it's not a telescope of any kind. It's just a tube with a computer wrapped around it. And you, you align it with GPS satellites. And once it's aligned, you point it at a star and you push the computer readout button. And it will show a display with the name of the star and facts about the star. If you have a set of headphones, it will read it to you. And it will tell you the name of that star. And it will tell you exactly what you're looking at. And, you know, that's, all, that's cool anywhere. But it's particularly useful at places like Caprock where you can see so many stars at night. It is just amazing. You know, at home, you, if, for me, I walk outside in my yard and I can spot a lot of different constellations. I can see the Big Dipper and I can see Cassiopeia and they circle around the North Star. And you can see them both from my front yard since the big tree got cut down, that struck by lightning in our front yard. And now you can see both instead of just one or the other. You know, this time of year, Orion's Belt is really easy to spot, and you can see all of those things. And my favorite asterism, we'll come back to that, is the Corona Borealis. It's called the Winter Crown. And if you can see Orion's Belt, then you can probably also find the Corona Borealis, which is really small. And sometimes you have to find it by not looking directly at it. It's really dim, but it's beautiful. And I just love it. Well, at Caprock, it's really hard to find. Because there are so many more stars than I'm used to seeing. And so with this Sky Scout, I can put in Corona Borealis and it will, using red arrows, it will aim the thing. You hold it and move it around until it says right there, there it is. And then you can look and sure enough, there it is. It's just the coolest thing to play with. We end up passing it around a lot. If we have people come over from other campsites, we let them use it as well. In fact, the first time we took it camping to Caprock, we stayed uh, at Camp Theo, and we actually had to walk in a little farther 
there's a new area to park now and a bathroom, which is pleasant. Before, it was a long, long drive to the bathrooms from Lake Theo, and now there's one you can walk to. But in moving stuff out of the truck and hiking down the trail at night, the Sky Scout fell out of my truck. The next day, these two people come up and they go, hey, man, are y'all driving that truck? We're like, yeah. And they're like, this fell out of it. And I'm like, holy cow. That is so expensive. I'm so grateful y'all brought that over. And let me explain to you how it works. And I want y'all to keep it for the night so you can look at stars. They brought it back the next morning. That is the greatest thing. It's just a lot of fun to play with. So if we ever camp together, you can count. I'm going to have that with me. The other thing you can count on when we're camping is cooking. I'm going to cook a lot. And I've found people have changed when they camp. It used to be you went camping so you could have eggs and bacon and biscuits over the campfire. That was the great thing. Or you'd fish and you'd bring cornmeal and oil and you'd eat the fish while you were there. Well, the people that I was telling you about that I loaned the Sky Scout to that were kind enough to bring it to me after finding it in the parking lot, they had gone to the one convenience store in the nearby town of Kitake and eaten uh, hot dogs and uh, macaroni and cheese that they made in the microwave right there at the convenience store. They're like, where did y'all get food? Because they walked up and I'm cooking tacos. They're like, where did you get all this? Well, we brought it with us. We come prepared and we invited them to have tacos with us. We always have plenty and we always invite people over like s'mores, always bring enough stuff. And we invite everybody to come sit around our campfire because we're really good at campfires. I've got a fire bug for a child. We're always good at uh, keeping a campfire going and, and we share our food. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. I've got really kind of a menu that I use over and over again because it's easy and I know what I'm doing. But I always try something new. A lot of times the new thing will come out of a, a an old cookbook that a buddy of mine named Jeff Palmer gave me. He was an RA director and uh, big in the RA Royal Ambassadors through the Southern Baptist churches. They have these programs for young boys called RAs and they do camping. It's kind of like Boy Scouts, but with a little bit more Jesus thrown in. Great program. And Jeff really, I mean, he spent his adult life working in RAs, I think, and just did a great job with it. Well, he gave me a copy of this cookbook they had put together. And so a lot of times I'll find something in there, a dessert. Did you know you can make ice cream when you're camping? Just a couple of uh, one-gallon bags and some ice, and then you throw it back and forth to each other. That's in there. There are a lot of different recipes. Hobo pies, they've got different stuff for you know, different recipes for things like that. I get some good ideas from that. I usually try one new thing uh, when I go camping. And sometimes it's from that book that Jeff gave me. And Jeff is very much on my mind because we attended his funeral, uh, his memorial service last week. And we try really hard to keep our party funeral ratio in balance. And we started this a few years ago because we realized we were getting overrun with funerals and we weren't having enough parties. And <laughs> We found that life is better when you have a balance between those things. You know, the funerals are going to come, folks. If you love enough people, you're going to end up at funerals. We all do. We all know that. But parties, you have to be very proactive about. And so we've gotten really good at that. In January, we threw a, a bang up party for our oldest son who had a birthday. And so we had a great party for that. And then here came a funeral. We went to Jeff's funeral. And uh, so now we're, you know, we're even still, but we got to get ahead. So we're having a great party this weekend. My father-in-law is turning 80. We're putting together a bang up party for him as well. Been working on that today, as a matter of fact. Funerals, you know, you're kind of reactive. You, you need some habits, I think, for funerals. I, I end up speaking at a lot of funerals. And one thing I share at every funeral is turn off your ringer. And I tell the story about a funeral I was at and in the middle of a very quiet, contemplative, sad moment in the funeral, somebody's phone went off and started singing, devil with a blue dress, blue dress on, devil with a blue dress on. And that is not appropriate. And, you know, some of you, 
I'm worried about what your phone would ring. You know, I can just hear Amber's phone in the club from 50 Cent playing or something. Uh, Uptown Funk is a possibility from some of you people I know. There's just no telling what it is. So do yourself a favor and turn off the ringer before the funeral starts. The other funny thing that comes to mind about that is uh, my Uncle Stan's memorial service was at an art museum and theater in Fort Worth. Beautiful place, a lovely place for them to get together and have this memorial service. And they asked me to speak. And and, and I had walked around and kind of toured the facility before everything got started. And a lot of neat art there, of course. But then there's this big theater and there were some people in there and they were working to get ready for an opera performance they were going to have in there. Well, later in the middle of the memorial service, when I've told everyone, hey, turn your phones off, right? And we're having, I'm telling them some of the other things that I tell people at at memorial services and funerals. And we start hearing this, ah, it's like, and everybody kind of got nervous, like, Ooh, he's haunting us. I'm like, okay, calm down. Calm down. They're practicing opera down the hallway. Okay, this is weird. This is not. There's no poltergeist. I never heard Uncle Stan sing. I think we're okay. We can calm down and not worry about it. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, though, uh, which you don't expect to have that much fun at a funeral. But I don't see any reason for it to not be. You know, life's going to give you plenty of opportunities to cry, right? You never have to look for a reason to be sad. But you have to take every chance you can to, to laugh together and to find the joy in things. We find some joy in keeping our party funeral ratio in balance. One of the best parties we ever went to was costume party. That was thrown by a crazy ex-Navy SEAL who happened to be in the finance department of the car dealership I was working at. And I went as a cowboy because I'm kind of lazy. Everybody dressed up as something, though. And it's uh, it was famous or infamous around there for a while as the party that uh, the cowboy roped Bo Peep. The pretty girl that worked in the finance uh, accounting department in the back of the dealership didn't believe I could use the lariat rope that I brought with me. So I ended up roping her in the backyard. And that led to a lot of... Uh, awkward conversation around the dealership for quite some time after that. But my two friends that I'll never forget being there were uh, Marvin Isaacs and Rod Davis, Rocket Man Rod and Marvelous Marvin. Marvin was the bartender and I've never had stronger drinks than that. And Rod drank all of the drinks that Marvin would hand him. And so he was drunker than I have ever been. <laughs> and we really had a just a great time until at some point I went to tell the guy whose house it was that, you know, my bride and I were leaving and I banged on the door that he had gone behind with some other people and he opened the door and acted insane and be out in a minute. And I'm pretty sure that white powder on his mustache was not powdered sugar. So I went and got Marvin and said, put your boots on. We're leaving. I went and found Rod and said, all right, me and your wife are going to pour you in the car. We are out of here. We don't do parties where there are drugs, y'all. It's just not worth the it's not worth it. Bad things happen. That's been my experience. So we left. We went to, of course, we went to Denny's because it was two in the morning, right? If you don't have a Waffle House, you go to Denny's. That's what we did. But I was really glad later at their funerals that we had been at that party together. It just kind of balances things out. You can remember the joy at the memorials if you've been to the parties together. So we've got another party coming up this weekend. I think everybody ought to throw parties. I think, you know, you ought to throw parties. I ought to throw parties. We all ought to go to parties whenever we get a chance. I'm pretty, you know, when we leave, I usually say something from an old John Wayne movie uh, called McClintock. And there was a big fight scene and the local Indian tribe was there. And it was just a slugfest, right? Nobody was shooting. But it's kind of a comedy of a movie. As the Indians are leaving, 
The old chief goes, Ho, Macklin, good party, no whiskey, we go. And I say that when I'm leaving most parties, just because I think it's funny. I don't think anybody else knows anything about what I'm talking about, but it always amuses me. But here's my advice for having a party. Have it at your place and clean one room and one bathroom and close all the other doors. Nobody needs to go in your bedroom. Nobody needs to go in your mudroom. You know, I mean, just close all the other doors. So you've got one big area where you can party. And then uh, there's the bathroom. If you need it, take turns, right? That's a great way to do that. And having it after dinner is the easiest. When we first moved into this house, we had 150 people over here and we put tables and chairs everywhere and we served a sit down dinner to 150 people. It's a really big house and we didn't have any furniture at the time. We borrowed tables and chairs from the church. So we had a lot of room to do that with. I don't recommend it. That's a lot of work and a lot of cleanup and it's just somebody nearly burned our house down because to get more room to set their iced tea down, they pushed a candle back under a shelf. That shelf is still black on the bottom. (laughs) So maybe not candles. It's up to, you have to know your crowd, right? Maybe they can handle candles. Maybe they cannot handle candles. Uh, We do candles sometimes, but we do fresh flowers almost every time. I was saying after dinner is easiest. It really is. Just have, you know, have sweets, right? Have cookies, have cake, have pie. Uh, Buy it at the store and that way you don't have to clean up after you've cooked, right? Water bottles on ice, man. We put an ice chest out with water bottles in it. We do game nights. We do a ton of that. Uh, In fact, almost any weekend we're having a game night. Um, We play a lot of Uno Attack. It's just one of those family things that we all managed to work out our aggression on each other in 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 an acceptable fashion. I hit you with a draw, too. But we laugh about it, right? Or you hit me with a skip. In fact, we'll throw a skip out and go, skip you. (laughs) but it's a game, right? You can't get your feelings hurt. It's just a game. You can also play Pictionary. You really want to be careful about that. Again, know your audience. Uh, We had a a devastatingly adult version of Pictionary once that got entirely out of hand, and the word was muff. So I'll just leave you with that, but it really got out of hand. So you want to be careful who's coming to the party if you're going to play Pictionary. We did Pictionary one year at... uh, New Year's Eve party. And we had two big teams, uh, mostly teenagers. And we had a great time. It's just really a lot of fun. Again, you just need to be careful because you don't know what somebody's going to end up drawing. And some people draw a lot better than you expect them to, quite frankly. (laughs) The other thing that we we played, we had a a game night at church a few years ago, several years ago. And there was a game there called Mad Gab. And I couldn't remember the name of the game. So I went on Facebook and asked the mom of the girl that was so great at this game. You read a phrase, but it's a nonsense phrase. But if you read it with enough weird accents, it turns into something else. That's a terrible explanation. Look it up, Mad Gap. But her daughter, Brooke, was she has the sweetest country girl drawl. And when she read it, we all knew exactly what it was supposed to be. It was so funny. She popped up on Facebook and said it's still her favorite game, Mad Gap. Big fan myself. The secret weapon for us at parties, if we really want to make sure it goes well, is a chocolate fountain. We bought a chocolate fountain on sale at Bed Bath & Beyond years ago. And if we really want it to be successful, we will set up the chocolate fountain. You buy the chocolate in pieces in bags at Bed Bath & Beyond, and you melt it in the microwave, you pour it in this thing, you turn it on. It's got a heater in it and a pump, and so it's just, it's a chocolate fountain. You can dip anything in it. Pretzel sticks, potato chips, if you like that, that's disgusting. Some people like that, maybe you're one of them. Good for you, you can have my share. Oreos dipped in chocolate is fantastic. Chocolate chip cookies dipped in chocolate, great stuff. 
uh, pound cake cut up, fantastic. If you want to try carrots and cauliflower, knock yourself out. But people will stand there and laugh and talk and eat chocolate for hours. The best advice I have about that is if you have a chocolate fountain, you want to clean it that night because the next morning it has turned to concrete. It is so hard to clean. That stuff sets like mortar. You really want to get it out the same night that you use it, if at all possible. So when you party, you want to pace yourself so you can clean up whatever you have to that's important because these things are not disposable, right? You're going to want to do it again. So there you go. That's Old Hat's uh, How to Have a, a Party at Your House on Short Notice. You know, and the last thing I would say about that is if you get invited to a party, go. If people have invited you you into their home, that's kind of a big deal. I know it's changed over the years. It used to be we could say, hey, y'all want to come over? Boom, we'd have a full house of people. That's not happening as much anymore. These days we say, hey, would y'all like to come over? We go, well, we're busy. Well, this and that. And it's uh, it's depressing, obviously, to ask people to come over because we always kind of clean the house first and then ask. So at least the house is clean, right? But now, we okay, they're not coming. And that's kind of a letdown, but you feel the same way if it's your house. If you invite people over and they say no, there may be a reason. Try not to take it personally. I try not to take it personally, but I know people do feel that way if I say no. And so I try really hard to say, you know what? We will be there. If you have a party and invite us, we will do everything we can to be there. I think you should do the same thing because it's going to be a lot more fun than you expect it to. Everybody's worried about the same things at the party you're worried about. Go to the party anyway, because if you don't, you're going to end up out of balance on your party to funeral ratio, and that is not good. In fact, if you could get ahead on parties, that would be fantastic. That's what we're trying to do. Having a big party this weekend, we're actually going to Dallas and we're taking everybody to a museum early in the day. Time off for a nap for the children and the grandpas. And then we we rented a room at a big steakhouse in Dallas and we're having you know, dog and pony show. Hey, you only turn 80 once, right? That's a big deal. Uh, So Lisa's dad made it to 80 and we are going to party like crazy. We started, you know, we looked into limousines, we looked into, but there's no car seats in limousines and we got these grandbabies we want to keep safe. So we're going to have a great party and then we're going to overnight in a hotel and it is just going to be a lot of fun. If you get invited to a party, go to the party. And that's what I say about that. Folks, thanks for listening. I hope to talk to you again soon. This is Old Hat, James Chambliss, signing off.